Welcome to So Tell Me More, a podcast where you can join Prabnur and Navia, two psychotherapy students, as they dive into various topics through a psychotherapy lens. This podcast will get you thinking and reflecting on all things mental health, ranging from self-care to learning more about what exactly cognitive behavior therapy is. We hope you stick around. In today's episode, we'll be going through not only our journey through psychotherapy and our experiences in our program, but we'll be joined by two lovely guest speakers, Andrea and Alexia. We're all second-year students in a Master's of Psychotherapy program at McMaster, and we will be sharing our experiences, what we've liked, and what we're hoping to do going forward. So welcome, Alexia and Andrea. Thank you all for being here. We're very excited for this episode and really interested to hear a little bit about your own experiences in the program as well as what you're hoping to do in the future. Just before we get started, to give everyone a little bit of a background on our psychotherapy master's program, like Prabhnur said, it is at McMaster University and we're actually the first cohort of the program, which is very, very exciting. It's quite a small class and we're all working towards eventually registering with the College of Registered Psychotherapists of Ontario or the CRPO. So through this program, we're getting some hands-on opportunities as well as some theoretical opportunities as well to learn about the field of psychotherapy therapy generally and then after we register it's interesting to just think about the different paths that we'll all take if we're interested in specializing and working with different populations and hopefully we'll get a good sense of what everyone's plans are for the future in our episode today. Awesome. Exactly. It's definitely a new program and we're trying to navigate through it with most of our instructors and staff on the team. So it's been a fun experience trying to go through all the challenges and figuring it out. But we're really excited to hear more about your journey, Alexia and Andrea. What encouraged you to join the program and how did you go about it? I can get us started. I originally was thinking about going into clinical psychology that was something that I was planning for pretty much all of my undergrad. My undergrad was in psychology and I had like a co-op background. So that was really cool. I did a lot of research with like work-life balance and did my thesis on psychiatric illness, like youth with psychiatric illness and their parents and the caregiver burden oh, wow. that can come with caring for a child that has, yeah, you know, severe mental illness. And so that was really interesting. And then I wanted to go the clinical psychology route, but it is very competitive. I also wasn't, I think, in a space in my life where I was ready for that level of competitiveness, as well as the workload. We were we were getting like a lot of students that were already in clinical psych coming in and they were telling us about, yeah, I'm reading research articles every second of the day and I have no time to myself and I'm stressed out all the time. And I was like, I feel like that's not healthy for me. So I, I made the decision to take a psychotherapy route just because I felt like I really do want to do like the clinical work. I think that's what I want my career to be based in. I'm not as excited about the research, although I am still interested. So yeah, I made that decision for myself. And then I just stumbled across this program when I was looking through McMaster's grad studies and it was kind of like fate I guess not to sound cheesy but yeah I just fumbled across it and I applied I got all my stuff in order in time I think that's something that even I really appreciate about this program is that you really get that clinical experience because I know clinical psychology is one that I'm assuming most people think about when they're like oh I want to you know work with people I want to be in the psychology field Clinical psychology is oftentimes the first thing that comes to mind, or at least it came to my mind. But I think this is such a nice, happy medium where 
it's not very research heavy and if that's something you don't want to do like our program is course-based entirely so we really do get to emphasize that clinical aspect and doing our practicums and doing all that hands-on stuff and what about you Andrea? For me, I originally wanted to apply to physiotherapy, and that was the goal that I was working towards. But after spending time at a physio clinic, I realized I actually enjoyed talking more to the patients there than helping them with their exercises and the actual movement part of it. So that just got me thinking about how I should probably not go into physiotherapy And also, I guess McMaster and the other universities I applied to kind of made that decision for me, too, because I got a lot of rejections. But my friend sent me the link to the psychotherapy program, and I didn't think that I would get in because I didn't have a background in psychology. But I was like, okay, why not? Let me just give it a shot. And I got in. Very happy about that. But just like Alexia, I am a lot more interested in the practical side of things rather than the research side because I've always just wanted to work directly with other people. So that was basically my journey into the program. That's amazing, yeah, that you started with such a different field like physiotherapy and getting that hands-on experience gave you a sense of what you're looking for. I had kind of a similar pathway too, where I volunteered in the hospital a lot and was always thinking about medical school and had a similar realization as you, Andrea, where I'm like, I actually like just talking to people and hearing their stories, just being that supportive volunteer with them. And that kind of led me to this program. So very cool how you can start with a a certain plan and then end up all of us in the same place. Really quite interesting. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat where I didn't do necessarily a psychology background. Like I did life sciences in undergrad. Mm -hmm. So I and I was really unsure where I wanted to go with that after doing the four years. So I ended up coming back to do psychology because that's something that I hadn't explored as much as I wanted to. And then I think it was just very fortunate that that was the exact year when I was graduating from psychology that they opened the program. So I also actually happened to have a friend who sent the link and they're like, maybe you should try this. And I, and I never thought that I'd get in, but I, I sent in an application and lo and behold, months later after delayed emails and <laughs> slow processing, they're like, oh yeah, by the way, you got in. And I'm like, oh great, thanks. So it was, it was good. It was nice. And I think I'm very happy that it did work out this way because we get to do a lot more of that practical component that I think. I'm learning to find that I really, really value more than Mm -hmm. just theoretical work or research stuff, which is which is really nice. Okay, so now that we've learned a little bit about your journeys into psychotherapy, how are you doing now that we're in our second year of the program entering almost our last semester of the program? How has the experience been for both of you? I feel like for me, it's been a journey in my personal life as well. So I think like, yeah, like getting into grad school, grad school is a huge shift from undergrad, Mm -hmm. I think, because I just came straight from my undergrad. So yeah, it was wildly different, like just the expectations. And and then also being a pandemic with Zoom classes, that was really different too. Yeah, so it was just an adjustment period, I think. And then also, I think over these past, you know, 
two-ish years, year and a half at this point, I really had to start prioritizing my self-care and taking care of myself and like my mental health and everything. I think for so long, I was living that student life where I wasn't prioritizing my mental health and wellness. And I was just, you know, diving into school all the time. And this program really made me realize that's not going to last long term like I'm gonna get burnt out really fast was like my realization so I had to like you know get on a normal I did air quotes sorry (laughs) sleep schedule I had to start doing like physical movement not so much like exercise or anything but just like movement because like sitting still all the time is like not good for you or your mood going for like walks getting fresh air staying on top of eating regularly even like going to therapy you know, taking meds regularly, all of that stuff, just like really honing in on what is mental wellness to me and how can I take care of myself so that I have enough in my cup to take care of others, Mm -hmm. which is like essentially what this career path is. So I think that that was my experience over these past year and a half time frame. That was like the main takeaway. And then there's also like working with clients, getting to meet professionals in the field has been really cool. Mm -hmm. There's so many inspiring people within the program and within St. Joseph's Hospital, just like affiliated to the program. So it's been really cool to see all the different professionals and talk to them and hear their journeys and just kind of pick what I like from their journeys and maybe like apply it to my life. I love how a lot of what we've been learning, you're, you've been applying to your own life and it's helped shape kind of how you want to see your life as well. Because I think of it as you're practicing what you preach, right? Like we talk about mm-hmm. self-care and we talk about wellness and mental health and how important it is to have a work-life balance and all these things with our clients. But until we do it ourselves, are we really being like honest with that advice and following what the research says and everything else? So it's amazing to see that you were able to, you know, have that shift and adapt and figure out the way that you wanted to live your life while also being in a grad program, which is difficult and it's stressful. And it's really easy to go back to that undergrad mindset of, you know, school is my life and that's all I can focus on. And similar to you, Alexia, I came straight out of undergrad as well and entered this program. So very similar for me where I'm like, oh, the grind, you know, you have to be studying all the time and in the library 24 hours a day and all of that. But for sure, I think we were also lucky in one way having it virtually just being able to get that time for ourselves back instead of just always like running to classes being in the library things like that I found that to be a little helpful for me but yeah so amazing to hear that you were able to figure all these things out set goals for yourself as well yeah I think it's definitely been a privilege to have so much access to all of this knowledge for mental health and wellness that we are using towards our clients but yeah we have the opportunity to use it towards ourselves and internalize that research that we are reading all the time and it's been really great to have peers and colleagues and instructors teachers profs that really emphasize you know the importance of self-care and taking that time for yourself yeah and i think one thing that you also said was it's been an adjustment within the pandemic i think that's so important to note because we have and i think ultimately our whole 20 month program is going to end up being completely virtual so it's definitely been an adjustment and just trying to figure out how do you do a program during a pandemic and figuring out how to do things online especially therapy in which you expect it has to be one of those things where you're learning these valuable skills, picking up on small nuances that people do or share in person. 
And if you are in person, I don't know if anyone has had the opportunity to do anything in person yet, but I saw a client in person this semester only, and we were both wearing masks. Mm -hmm. So trying to figure out, well, you're sort of losing half of the facial expressions that you would get uh, or any kind of body language you might notice from someone's face, anything that they're sharing. Well, it's covered with a mask. How do you how do you pick up on certain things? And I've also had to do some sessions on the phone, which has also been a learning curve because not only are we learning how to do everything, but now there's the added layer of of, well, it's virtual or it's on the phone or people are masked. So it's definitely been a big learning curve, not only trying to figure out how to do virtual school, but then how to do therapy virtually as well. Definitely. I think that's been a really big shift because coming into the program, I expected that we'd be in person with clients and even our classes would be in person, right? And then the pandemic just changed all of that. But it's really hard to tell body language when you're on a Zoom screen. First of all, you only see their faces. And then even with their faces, like you don't get a lot of like fidgetiness or anything like that. Are they uncomfortable? Are they just smiling because they're on Zoom? And how do they actually feel? I've I've noticed I've had to like check in a lot more and ask people straight up, how are you feeling in this moment? Because sometimes it's just so hard to tell. And I think something that our profs have said a lot, which is a little reassuring, is that we're being trained in virtual therapy and we're one of the first groups of students to really have so much access to virtual therapy and getting that experience. So it's cool. We'll be very specialized in in virtual therapy and we'll see how that persists in the future because I know a lot of people see many benefits for it. Very convenient and it's helpful for people who have like kids at home and other responsibilities to be able to access therapy virtually. So at least there's that. We're going to be very highly trained in virtual therapy by the end of this program so there you go (laughs) what about you Andrea do you want to share a little bit about what this first year as well as half of the second year has been like for you in the program yeah for sure so for me it was also a really big adjustment I used to be an MBA student before I joined the program and I found that learning in that program was very different compared to coming to this program where there are so many different readings and studies Mm -hmm. and modalities that we have to learn about. So for me, just wrapping my head around that was a big adjustment. And also learning about basic foundations of psych at the same time, like didn't know what operant conditioning meant. So just like figuring that out at the same time was a big adjustment too. But I eventually got into the swing of things and I also found that virtual school was helpful because I also got really stuck into that the grind mindset. And I also found that I actually got work done at home other than like going to the library when I would get all my food ready and just not work at all. So, But I totally agree with what Alexia said about figuring out self-care because it was just really important during the pandemic when I wasn't doing the best with all the shutdowns and everything going on. But I was also really glad that our professors were really supportive and understanding. They extended deadlines for our whole cohort. They let us know about accommodations that were available. And I found that to be really sweet. And it was just great to know that our pops were in our corner. But yeah, going into practicum was also like a whole other adjustment. I'm really glad, like you said, that we're getting that training in virtual therapy too. For me, I'm really trying to figure out how to build that relationship as closely as I can, even though we're through a screen. 
and still learning. I'm still figuring out how to do that, but I would say so far it's just been like a lot of going out of my comfort zone. Yeah, that's such a huge part of this program for sure. I feel so nervous before like sessions with clients or role play activities or just classes and assignments in general, but noticing when it's helpful that I'm pushing myself moving outside of my comfort zone and those I guess certain like barriers I've put up for myself like I just don't want to engage in role play it's too too stressful in the moment and we've talked about this quite a bit but how helpful it is looking back on role play getting that feedback from our class and like you mentioned Andrea our profs have been really supportive and I think it's unique to this program I guess that our profs are also usually working professionals as well and they are working in the field of psychotherapy so they're also very understanding people so it's nice to have that support for sure and like getting really great feedback from them as well as all of our peers I, I've never really felt like it was a very competitive program in the sense of like the students that are in our program I never felt like I had to be the best with my role play or do things perfectly just because everyone's been so kind and supportive and give very genuine feedback so I think I, I feel very lucky that our cohort is that supportive and and close despite it being virtual for the entire time that we've been in our master's. So we've been talking a lot about practicums. How has everyone's experience been with the practicum? I know the way that it's split up for us generally is that the first practicum we do is more so observational, where we're doing a lot of observing supervisors and group therapies, depending on where you are. And our second practicum is a lot more hands-on with us as doing the intervention itself. But what has everyone's experience been like? I have absolutely loved practicum. My placements with the Mood Disorders Clinic at St. Joe's, West Fifth, and Hamilton. My supervisor is so cool, and she is always pushing in a nice way. She's always <laughs> pushing me to, you know, like try new things, and she's always offering me opportunities. So she'll be like, hey, how about you do the new information? And she'll also say, like, always say no if you don't want to if you're not feeling it but I think right even from the very beginning of practicum I I've gotten all these opportunities to really learn how to deliver psychotherapy especially with other trained professionals around that have so much experience so getting that feedback from them and just like learning that psychotherapy is messy just because we are all human beings, it's always going to be messy. You could be the best psychotherapist in the world and you're going to have messy sessions. Things aren't always going to go well. Just taking that as like a learning experience instead of being like, man, I suck. Yeah. So, I mean, that's been my experience. Just like really, really positive. And I feel like I've been learning so much. It's been like an information overload, I think, <laughs> over this past couple of months. Yeah. I was just going to say about the information overload. I felt that way when we started, especially being observational in the first practicum. I was writing every little thing that the therapist was doing and trying to like get as much out of it as I could. And yeah, it was kind of exhausting, honestly, <laughs> to begin with. But you learn so much. It's such a steep learning curve that it's amazing now the things that I've picked up and able to kind of take from different therapists as well so that's something I've also really enjoyed is working with so many different professionals and getting to see their style trying different things out and then 
testing it and see, okay, well, does this stick with the group I'm working with? Is this something that's in line with my style? So it's definitely a great exploration of like who you want to be as a therapist. And it's great to hear, Alexia, that your supervisor has given you so many opportunities has re- and has really backed you up in terms of trying new things because that can be really scary at the beginning. I remember feeling very overwhelmed with that initially and feeling like if I mess up, like that's the end of it. I'm just not meant to be in the program or anything like that. And like knowing that that's not the case, we're always learning and trying new things. So yeah, it was great to hear. I think the initial thought, at least for me, was if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to mess up this person or I'm going to, it's going to be detrimental, like worst case Mm -hmm. scenario. And I think, you know, talking to a lot of different professionals and then and then also like your own experience of like dealing with clients you realize that's not the case I obviously don't want to say something that's going to be detrimental or I don't want to say like something absolutely terrible but I think also realizing that even if I do slip up and I do make a mistake it's not the end of the world I'm not going to immensely harming this client obviously we want to try to do the least amount of harm as possible but you know just recognizing that mistakes do happen and it's it's not the end of the world it's not the end of the client therapist relationship right there yeah I think that's so true like what I've noticed is the intention is sometimes more important than the content and the way that we word things themselves at least from what I've noticed like all of us have the right intentions being in the program right and like we want to help people and I think that really is communicated in the way that your body language is the way that you express things and even if you are trying something new wording something in a very different way and it maybe doesn't land your intention was still to be supportive and help someone out right and so that's really nice to know that as long as you kind of have that that good intention and you're acting in alignment with it hopefully it's not too catastrophic and detrimental for the client. And you can always kind of rebuild that therapeutic relationship, even if there are certain issues with it or anything comes up. And yeah, like asking for feedback too. Like, I think that we just kind of learn about that in the CBT classes is like, oh yeah, we want feedback. But I think feedback's so important from what I've learned from seasoned professionals. There was this one nurse that practiced psychotherapy at St. Joe's for OCD groups and she was telling me about how you know like even after x amount of years practicing she still splits up there's still families that get mad at her or will cuss her out and she takes that time to ask for feedback and say like you know I'm really sorry that this happened can you please tell me how can I make this better what can I do to change myself how can I learn from this situation and then going forward maybe sometimes you can't repair that relationship just because things happen humans life life is messy but going forward just incorporate always incorporating that feedback into how you practice and then that's how you become a better better professional is like always incorporating that feedback every time you make a mistake learn from that mistake Mm -hmm. I think that's so valuable to know is that feedback component I know that we've heard a lot about it like you said Alexia in class but actually hearing our clients and other people that we work with hearing information straight from them to say that I liked this or I didn't like this can be so valuable not as 
only a learner or a therapist or a clinician doing the work, but for the client as well, because it's really helpful if they help shape what that therapy session might look like, because we want to have a beneficial experience for everyone. So if they can share what is helping, what isn't, it might make that a bit more of a meaningful relationship. But side note, I just recently learned, Alexia, that your supervisor and I went to the same high school. Whoa. (laughs) I know. She's one of the co-therapists and one of the groups I'm a part of. And we just got talking right before the group started. And she's like, oh, I'm also from that town. I was like, oh, really? And I was like, oh, you know, random because I didn't know what else to go, where else to go with the conversations. I was like, oh, what high school did you go to? (laughs) Mind you, I know like two high schools in this place. So I really didn't know where I was going with this. But happened to be that she said the exact same high school I did. And I was like, no way. So that was a fun bonding moment, but we went to the same high school. That's awesome. Small world. (laughs) Yeah, right? No, but yeah, Andrea, how has your experience been with practicum so far? Like Alexia would say, my practicum experience has been really helpful. During the first one, I got to sit in on four different groups. And because of that, I got to see how like eight different therapists did therapy and it was so helpful it really helped me figure out what kind of therapist I wanted to be to see how even two different people in the same group or in the same session would deliver information so that first practicum was pretty mind-blowing and I was lucky I had a supervisor that was also very very knowledgeable and she also helped me learn a lot even outside of practicum. She gave me extra readings. We had great supervision discussions. But I think that having that exposure to so many different people just Mm -hmm. helped me see that there was like no one way to be a therapist because I always thought there's this one way to like deliver therapy where you have to dress a certain way, your office looks a certain way. But no. So I thought that was really cool how that misconception was kind of shattered but yeah and now that I'm in my second practicum I'm still kind of dealing with that imposter syndrome that we talked about a lot before because I am like a lot younger than a lot of the clients that I'm seeing at the anxiety treatment research center so I'm still trying to figure out how to build that confidence and it's really helpful that I'm getting good feedback also from supervisors and the other co-therapists but yeah I would kind of say that's practicum in a nutshell yeah that's such a great point about the imposter syndrome and you're right we have talked about it a lot within our cohort and I think at some point we've all kind of felt symptoms of it or just felt that we don't know what we're doing and why we're here and how we even made it to this point. And a huge part of it can be the age range as well. So mm-hmm. same with the the moods clinic. A lot of people are older adults. And then when I do work with youth, I feel so much more comfortable. So just like realizing the difference in the way I act as well in different populations and maybe how that impacts the relationship and how I can just be more proactive about those kind of reactions. So 
it's really cool but yeah you're right like the feedback has been so helpful in practicum I think that's the biggest thing I've taken away and now I actively ask at least well maybe not my clients regularly but I ask my supervisors like every single time I do any sort of interaction with clients I'm like how does how did that go what did you think how do you think people reacted to it and it's just so helpful to get any sort of feedback at all and I I tell them I'm like be as honest as possible because that's how I'm gonna learn and that's how I can improve in the future so yeah like don't sugarcoat it (laughs) just tell me what I need to know and I'll go from there and it's nice like they're they're very friendly people of course but they're very knowledgeable and they they know the field they've been practicing in the field for so long so you do get like a really really great range of feedback I think and for you Andrea you worked with eight different therapists and that's amazing like just to to see all of their different styles and how they approach group what was that like for you yeah it was amazing and it was so Mm -hmm. cool that a lot of these therapists came from different backgrounds I got to see some of them were nurses social workers psychologists my supervisor for the first practicum was an occupational therapist so it was really interesting to see how they also brought their knowledge from their field into therapy I remember seeing one of the nurses talk about how the role that anxiety plays and how she was talking about how anxiety isn't dangerous. And she was like, I know this as a nurse because, and then she was talking about all the, like the biological aspects of it. So it was so neat to see like the different ways that they bring in their knowledge. And it just got me thinking about how much more I also have to learn about different areas that are so related to psychotherapy too, like thinking about housing, thinking about different abilities that people have and their life circumstances. So yeah, I'm trying to figure out still how to just learn as much as I can from them. But it's really great that they are bringing that like interdisciplinary background to their therapy. I think that's been one of the many things that I've really appreciated from our practicum and St. Joe's is how multidisciplinary really the teams Mm -hmm. are. I've also been very fortunate to work with nurses, psychologists, social workers, OTs. So it's been really neat to see how everyone does the therapy and then how even you'll see a social worker working with an occupational therapist as co-facilitators of a group and then seeing how social workers and psychologists lead a group and it's just really nice to see how everyone brings in a new perspective and you can really learn and pick up these different things from everyone and everyone teaches you something a little differently and really just combining all of those skills to see how you might as an individual want to be a therapist and how you might want to lead groups has been something really valuable and something that I really appreciated so I think it's really nice working in that kind of a team setting where you really get to work with different people from different backgrounds so you can really learn all these interesting things that you might not have even thought of and I think our cohort reflects that really nicely too like knowing just how different everyone's journey has been into psychotherapy the different backgrounds they have in terms of their education it very much reflects a multidisciplinary team in the hospital so it's really cool to see how different people approach information and we do a lot of class presentations at least in the first year and so hearing how people deliver information and learning from them through that and their own experiences I think that's also been really cool so It's just been a lot of different learning opportunities through the practicum and also interacting with our own classmates. Just so many different perspectives to pick up on. And 
I think that's a really unique feature of our program for sure because sometimes it's like a very I guess homogenous kind of class that you might have in certain programs because they have certain requirements but also being the first year of the program I think they were pretty open and excited about getting a range of students in psychotherapy. I think it's so important to the networking. I think my supervisor actually told me now is the time to like network. Remember the connections that you make here because, you know, let's say I go into private practice, knowing that there is people out there that can help my client with a certain issue or might approach a situation differently based on, you know, what their background is. I can refer to that person or I can mm-hmm. consult with that person. Like social workers, for example, it's been really cool to watch a lot of the social workers facilitate group especially when they say let me put on my social work hat for for a second and then they go into advocacy and asking questions of like how they can actually help the client and just getting an idea of oh that's what a social worker does I think is really helpful for your future like if I do have a private practice I know people that I can consult with for if I have a client that has a particular problem that I think I can help with or advocate for in some way. Yeah, speaking of private practice, I know that I've started my second practicum in private practice, which has definitely been a different experience than our first practicum in the hospital. It's been a lot more of individual work and trying to navigate how I as a therapist might want to do therapy or work with clients in a session. But how has everyone else's experience been in your second practicum? We're like, what, two months in now into practicum number two. How is how's it going? So my first practicum has been the same location as my second. So I've gotten kind of like that consistency, which has been really nice. So a lot of the people that I worked with in my first practicum, I'm still getting to work with now. And I think it's cool to have that ongoing relationship with the therapist and really getting a sense of being part of like, let's say the mood disorders team. You start to feel like a part of the team (laughs) at some point. So it's pretty cool. And I guess the biggest difference has been just my involvement in groups and the extent of my contact with patients so getting to lead sessions and lead groups which is really cool and I think some of the really busy professionals also enjoy it because it's like okay the student's kind of going to take over half of the session it kind of takes a little bit off of their plates as well knowing how busy they are and plus as students I feel like we at least for me I prep quite a bit for my sessions and I try really hard to do well and I think a lot of people enjoy that enthusiasm that we have but I think it's been a really really great experience I I've learned so, so much being able to just hands on have that experience and do things in real time with clients and seeing how they react to certain things, really trying to shape the kind of therapist I want to be. So it's been quite a great learning experience and I'm excited to see areas that I'm interested in working in, populations I'm interested in working in and trying to just figure out what specializations I'd want to do at some point. So lots of just figuring out the future as well as I'm going through the second placement. Yeah, so for me, just like Navia, I'm in the same placement as I was in the first time around. And I got to work with a different supervisor this time. So another opportunity to work with another professional. But for me, it was also really helpful because I got really comfortable at the ATRC. And I know the ins and outs. I know like how my role will look like and all the different technicalities of how to use Dovetail, which is like the patient platform. But aside from that, it was really comfortable knowing that I knew people and that I was I didn't have to do that whole first time nerves 
process all over again. And being able to do more direct client contact and have more responsibility has also been helping me figure out what kind of a therapist I want to be too. Because my supervisor is always giving me feedback. She's always there to help me figure out what works and what didn't work and also like what aligned with like how I want to present. So I think having her there to kind of co-facilitate my sessions and well now she's mainly just sitting in while I do the sessions myself has been really reassuring because I know that I have that support and yeah I'm just really glad to have such a helpful supervisor. Yeah, just to give everyone a little bit of background about how practicums and how hours might work. So generally, when we're trying to apply to be a registered psychotherapist, we have to collect a certain number of these DCC or direct client hours. And what those essentially mean is that's the time that we're actually doing active therapy or a type of intervention with clients. So in our first practicum, Even though we were part of groups and we were observing, because we weren't actively doing that therapy or that treatment, we were just really there to learn and observe and not collecting hours. But in our second practicum, we've been doing a lot more of that therapy or intervention ourselves. So we've been giving therapy or we've been doing strategies with people and that counts towards our hours that we have to collect to ultimately be a registered professional. So just to give a little bit of background into what we're talking about, but that's really exciting, Andrea. I'm wondering, are you still doing group therapy or is it now a bit more individual? Yeah, so I'm doing both and it's pretty great. This is my first time around doing individual clients and I didn't really get the chance to observe individual clients first time around. So I'm starting to see now just how differently it looks compared to groups when I'm trying to build that one-on-one relationship versus when we're trying to build that group cohesion. So it was definitely mind-blowing to figure out how to do that off the bat. But it's been really helpful. I find that the meat of psychotherapy happens with that one-on-one contact because there's more time to really bond with the client and talk about what they're going through Mm. and go through each of the details while of course in a group we have to make sure that we talk to everybody so there might be a little less time for that one-on-one in-depth relationship so it's just been really cool to see what the differences are and it's also helping me figure out what areas i want to be in going forward but yeah just been helpful to be able to do both Yeah, I agree. I think it's a different vibe, the group therapy versus the individual therapy. And it's been really interesting to practice both in the second practicum. But yeah, like group therapy feels like a teaching group. Like you're like almost you're a teacher. (laughs) You're still a therapist, but it's very much a teaching role. And then in individual therapy, the vibe is a lot more personal because you're one-to-one because people are getting emotional and then you're there helping or sitting with their emotions and just talking to them one-to-one it feels a lot more human I guess like a human Mm. connection that's very true I think when I started in the first practicum I thought of group therapy as kind of like a workshop this is a workshop on CBT for depression and so we do a lot of teaching it's true and especially as learners I feel like that might be an area that we're more comfortable in as well sharing information and doing psychoeducation which is when we give particular 
evidence-based research on a certain disorder or symptoms or something like that. And then the therapy part of it is newer to a lot of us, right? So that takes time to get into that role and and really be a therapist to engage in questioning and the and the certain type of questioning and guided discovery and all of that so it's pretty cool to to think about just like switching roles as well and what it's like being in a group and then maybe an hour later being in an individual session and how different that can be for you and Prabhner I know you've been doing a lot of individual work at your private practice so I'm really curious to hear what that's been like for you yeah so it's been a learning curve <laughs> because first practicum was all very structured. So like you said, the workshop absolutely resonate with that. It was very much like we're teaching skills and let's see how if we can practice them together to see how can we actually use the skill when we need it. In the second practicum with myself, it's been a lot of individual work and the private practice I'm a part of doesn't necessarily follow those strict structural protocols that were in place in the hospital. So a lot of the work that I'm doing with clients is very much based off of let me make my own protocol and let's see what works and let me try incorporating skills that I've learned throughout my work with St. Joe's and how can I do that? So I've noticed that in private practice, at least with the clients I've worked with, a lot of them don't always appreciate the strictness of CBT that can Mm. sometimes come in where I'm like, let's do a thought record and you get a lot of that resistance. So you have to sort of find that balance of exploring, well, where is that resistance coming from? But also maybe this just might not be the best approach for this person. So let's try something else. So I found that with a lot of my private practice clients and my individual clients, I've been doing more so emotion work and working through a lot of just listening. Sometimes a lot of these clients just want space to share their stories and talk about what they've been going through and less input from myself in terms of skills that I'm sharing. Obviously, I'll throw in the skill here and there where it's appropriate, but I've noticed that a lot of my clients just need that space. I've been really learning how to change my approach, but I think what I'm learning throughout all of my experiences is that I'm definitely navigating towards certain modalities. What I found is I know that I really want to practice CBT as a therapist in the future and also some form of mindfulness because I've been working with clients on a mindfulness protocol-ish in private practice and I've been trying CBT since May and I've absolutely loved that. So I think learning how to navigate those into my future is what I'm working towards now and seeing how to go about that but what about what about others have you sort of throughout like our how many months have we been since May whatever that works out to <laughs> be how have you found the different modalities that we've been working with and is there something that really jumps out to you to see that yeah I think that might be the approach I want to explore more yeah so even just a rewind for a second I love the idea of flexibility working with clients I love the idea of you sitting there listening to the client and then let's say something comes up where you think an assertiveness skill could come in handy or a behavioral activation skill. Instead of following a protocol, you're listening for that and then you're able to sprinkle it in. I absolutely love that because I feel like so many times, yeah, there is this resistance with clients and like fair because yeah, like we have a protocol at the hospital that we follow. So whether that skill is something that they deem useful for them or not, or whether they realize it or not, they 
are stuck doing it. <laughs> like, okay, this week we're working on this and yeah. because it's in the protocol. And I just, I kind of love the idea of, you know, a client coming in, filling their guts to you and you sitting there and just kind of like strategically being like, oh, I heard you say this. Would you be interested in working on this skill that could help with this? I feel like it's so directly applies to what the client's coming in and like telling you about. And I think that's so helpful. So when I first started with private practice, I pulled up my protocols and I'm like, okay, let's CBT. I got this. Okay. But then when you go in and I'm like, all right, let's work on smart goals today. It just doesn't fit every time. Or the protocol says we're going to do thought records before we do assertiveness. So if I tried following that format, I found there to be a lot of resistance. And sometimes even I felt uncomfortable thinking of doing a thought record, let's say in this session, just because it didn't fit. But knowing that actually this client could really benefit from assertiveness and working on communication. So I think that flexibility is something that I initially had to get comfortable with because we were trained to follow protocols and trained to go with the structure within CBT. And I I think having that flexibility can be so valuable to the clients because exactly that, Alexia, not everyone needs those specific skills in that order. Sometimes you need to jumble it up and see what happens in that moment that is more beneficial. I think I've worked with a client who was transferred from another therapist and this was like my I think it was my first or second time meeting them. And I threw in a responsibility pie, which would technically be towards the end or middle of a CBT protocol. But in that moment, this person really needed to work on a responsibility pie. So we tried it. So I think, yeah, it's it's been really nice to navigate that flexibility. It's definitely been a challenge as a learner, but it's been good. Yeah, I feel like a good challenge. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And to go back to your question about modalities. Yeah. So I'm very interested in trauma work. That's Mm -hmm. where I want to go with my career. I'm also really interested in couples and sex therapy and just sex therapy in general. And, you know, maybe down the line, I can kind of make like a niche little sex trauma therapy speciality for myself. But that's after like a lot of specialization in both of those different specializations. Very niche. But Right now, I'm very into DBT, not so much the actual DBT protocol. I feel like that's very long, but more so emotional regulation skills and self-compassion work from positive psychology. My supervisor does both of those groups at St. Joe's, and she actually put together the self-compassion protocol that mood disorders uses. And It's Yeah, it's been really interesting. And I think like I'm just realized positive psychology and the DBT type skills. So like working on emotional regulation, working on distress tolerance, working on interrelational skills and like mindfulness. Mm -hmm. They're really just calling to me. So I'm just kind of going with it. I think after this program's done, though, I'm probably going to be doing some training and maybe some certifications in like that direction. And then I'd also like to get into like EMDR, but it's very like emotion focused and trauma, especially it's very helpful. So yeah, just like kind of taking, taking that route, I would be interested in doing. I love how you said it's calling to me and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go for it. And I think that's (laughs) such a, a great phase of our education to be in right now, like just exploring different things seeing what's resonating with us. And it's true, like different modalities have a very different way of thinking or approaching certain situations and symptoms. And so, for example, I'm taking the acceptance and commitment therapy elective, which is 
pretty different compared to some of the other more problem-solving focused therapies. So it's a lot more, this is the situation. We'll start by accepting that it, it exists and that is a, it's having a big impact in our life and then different interventions for how to deal with that in a helpful way and something that helps the client. So it's really cool to see like how different modalities can fit with certain people's ways of thinking about disorders and symptoms and different symptom clusters as well. You did say it is a very niche field that you're interested in, but I think that's so unique and I'm sure many people would seek out that kind of support. And I think something that they mentioned in our integration seminars is it's really helpful as a student to start out very specific and get really skilled in a specific area. And then you can kind of expand your focus from there. So it's nice to hear that you do have a specific focus in mind for the future and you're working towards that. I'm really excited for you, Alexia. Yeah, what about you, Andrea? Yeah, for me, even before starting the program, I really wanted to work with child and youth trauma work. That was just the area that Mm. called out to me the most. And I had also volunteered with Thrive Child and Youth Trauma Services, and I was like, okay, this is it. But now that I've spent time in the program, I'm also a bit conflicted in terms of like the age range of the population because I am really enjoying working with adults too. So I'm still lost when it comes to the age, but definitely still want to work in trauma. Although I've been kind of dabbling in some like trauma-focused CBT trainings that I'm really enjoying. But we also did an elective on MBCT, which is Mindfulness-Based Cognitive Therapy, that really resonated with me. I like love the values behind it and also how different it is compared to how we live our daily lives and how it like trains people to see and do their mm-hmm. even their daily routines differently, which was really cool. Something I'm trying to practice, not doing it as regularly as I want to, but trying. So those are kind of the areas that I'm thinking of. Definitely CBT as well because of my comfort with it now and how much we've learned about it and of course how well supported it is in the research but those are kind of the three areas that I'm thinking of but I know that after graduating I also want to keep getting some training further specifically in DBT as well because I found that through the program I didn't get as much of an opportunity to learn about DBT that I would have liked to so mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy that there's so many different psychotherapies. There's like hundreds of them. So there's always something to learn. There's always more training to get. So they always tell us in the program that we're going to be lifelong learners. And I was like, okay. But now I'm like, okay, we're going to learn our whole lives. But I'm done for that. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah, it starts to become a lot more concrete when you think about the areas you want to specialize in and what you need to do to specialize in those areas. And you're right, like even once you are, let's say, specialized in working in a particular area, research is always coming out. Like, you know, there's new things, new discoveries. So even if you're you're specialized in an area, you're still reading new research and taking new workshops and learning new skills. And I think that's such a great part of the field. It's always evolving, always changing, and it's cool in one way that we get to be lifelong learners also exhausting probably at some point and I'll be like I just I can't do it anymore but yeah it's really exciting as a student thinking about all the opportunities that you have to to learn and engage with different professionals and experts in each of these areas 
Yeah, I also love how diverse we all are. I know we shared some common modalities that we all enjoy and want to explore more, mm-hmm. but everyone almost shared a little bit of a different area they want to work in or specialty they want to focus on. So I think that's so nice to see how we all were in this one program learning the same things, but we're all branching out in different areas and learning more about what we like and what we want to learn more about and exploring that further. And I think that ta- that idea of being a lifelong learner feels a little daunting but I appreciate how it's in an area that we all enjoy so at least it's not too much work like undergrad where you have to learn a lot of courses and not always want to do those so it's nice to know that we can explore the type of modalities that are interesting to us and learn more about them as we progress throughout our professional careers. I feel like it's been really cool too that because our program is CBT focused, a lot of the stuff we do in coursework and practicum is CBT. Mm-hmm. But I love that the instructors and the profs like always encourage us to check out different modalities and learn about different modalities and we can come back with questions and everything and they might not know the answers because it's not their particular modality a lot of them are very cbt focused but i love that they're always willing to have a conversation about it and just the openness to different modalities and not like cbt is the only thing (laughs) that we can do it's the only right way to give therapy i've really enjoyed that Absolutely. I think that's such a key point, Alexia, about how these different modalities are pinned against each other. A lot of them are very complementary and you can use them together. And it's like more of an eclectic model, which I've noticed a lot of people taking, especially in private practice, is we kind of do what the client needs and we'll switch between modalities, take things from different modalities. So with acceptance commitment therapy, mindfulness is a really big part of it. But there's also certain elements of CBT and IPT, which is interpersonal therapy incorporated as well so it's really cool that they can really complement each other quite well and it's not like the cbt group against the ipt group and it's like a war between them ultimately it's what's best for the client and what'll suit them and i think alexia you talked about referrals and consults and how important it is to be aware of different professionals and multiple modalities multiple populations so that everyone can kind of work together for the betterment of the patients that you're working with and the clients. So it's not like, you know, you're like grasping onto your own clients, but if it looks like they might be better suited with another professional or social work or occupational therapy might be more helpful for them, giving them a chance to explore that and have just a different approach to psychotherapy and wellness in general. Yeah, I think it goes back to the not competitiveness of this program. And even in this field, I think it's very much, let's say, you know, I'm doing trauma work and I have this client and I, I have like a basic understanding of IPT. And let's say, Navia, you're doing IPT instead of clutching on to my client and trying to force them into the mold of my modality and my little niche specialization, I can say, hey, I, you know, if you're open to it, I have this colleague, Navia, and she does IPT. And I think you might, and, you know, kind of explaining a little bit to them what that is, why I think that they might benefit it based on like what we've been talking about. And, you know, if it is something that they're interested in doing that handoff. Yeah, I think that it's it's just such a great way to work for the client instead of, you know, yeah, trying to force them into something that I'm like, well, my modality is the best and <laughs> I'm right about it and just forcing them into it. It's very much, okay, what do you need and what's going to work best for you because it's your life. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a huge part of that is knowing yourself as well. Like what is your area of competency, your skill set, and what is sometimes beyond that area. And so reflecting on your own skills, your own techniques, and what would be helpful with the client's presentation. So, so much self-reflection in this field. And that's something that they've really pushed in our program as well, like in terms of doing reflection papers and taking time to think about your own skills and what makes you uncomfortable, what makes you comfortable, what kinds of people could you work with. So yeah, I think another thing with being a lifelong learner is always learning about yourself as well and having that insight. And sometimes it's hard, but I guess it's quite important as well. I've actually seen that in my private practice where I'm interning, essentially, that a client that was just passed on to me, to backtrack a little, the private Mm -hmm. practice I work at is a bit more psychodynamic, psychoanalytic focused, and they do a lot of exploring people's past and how they're feeling. And so it's been a bit of a learning curve for me to sort of navigate myself in that area because I am a bit more CBT focused in my preferences. So what's been interesting is I've just, the, the client that was just passed on to me, they expressed wanting to work on more goals and work on incorporating like a little bit of behavioral activation into their life. So it was really nice to see how a therapist was like, hey, you know what? I think Prabnor might be a bit more fit for you as a therapist now and passing them on to me because they know that that's not an area that they specialize in or they know how to navigate. So now I'm getting to work with that client and throwing in a bit more of that problem solving and smart goals work into their treatment. So seeing how that actually does work out in the real world, so to say, has been really nice to see how people do pass on clients if they know that someone else might be a better fit for them in that moment. All right. So I know we've been talking a lot about our experiences, not only through our program, but in psychotherapy. Does anyone have any final takeaways from everything that we've been going through over the past almost two years now? For me, just to go back, self-care and taking care of yourself. I think that was my biggest take-home point. I think it's like that cliche analogy of like if you're a mother in an airplane or something and it's crashing, whatever that analogy is, (laughs) putting your own oxygen mask on first and then helping the child that's beside you. What a weird analogy, but but like needing to take care of yourself and making sure that you're okay. And then when you do that, you're able to help other people, but also it's easier to help other people when you're, you know, keeping yourself happy and well and healthy physically mentally emotionally I've really liked the reflection pieces in this program it's something that I probably never would have done because I'm just not yeah I'm just not a journaler I'm not a reflector but this program's really made me take a look at myself and I think I've gotten into the habit of checking in maybe not so formally as writing a reflection paper but I've gotten into the habit of checking in and like okay what is going on with me right now what do I need and then also recognizing you know maybe when my mental health activities are slipping a little bit and seeing what that looks like in my day-to-day life and what that feels like in my body and then being able to put into practice you know self-care activities or picking back up maybe it's behavioral activation maybe I'm scheduling in pleasure activities so I'm not getting to that burnt out point mm-hmm. it's almost like coping ahead so that I don't go t- into burnout and then vicarious trauma and just like all this 
mental health issues that could come from that, trying to get on top of it and notice, okay, I'm feeling a little bit irritated right now. What can I do for myself so that I can get on top of this before this becomes a full-blown meltdown or something? So I think really like that self-care piece, checking in with myself and yeah, taking care of myself so that I can do my job well and happily and passionately like I'd like to. Yeah, for me, something that I took away was how helpful it is to use DBT skills on ourselves. And I was really skeptical about this because I was like, oh, I already know the theory and how these different techniques work. How could they possibly work when I apply them to myself? But now I find that whenever I'm feeling anxious before a session, like I'll bust out a thought record or I'll do a little responsibility pie. I find that, you know, I need that. And it's been really helpful. So I've just learned that no matter who you are or like what your role is, if you're a professional who's already teaching these techniques, they're still very useful to me personally. And it's just a great way of self-care. And it's just helped me also be a lot more empathetic towards the clients that I'm working with because I actually know what it feels like in a situation where I might be reluctant to try a thought record or I might be skeptical, but also bringing that empathy into them too. Yeah, I guess my takeaway is that there's never a point where these techniques would stop or somebody would be like immune to them, for example, but that there's always an opportunity to try something on ourselves and practice what we preach a little bit. Yeah, I've actually heard that from a lot of different supervisors. I think one of them was Alexia's supervisor who told me that they like to practice some of the CBT skills on themselves. And you're right, Andrea, it can be really helpful to model as well. You know, I also try these skills and a little bit of self-disclosure that way and sharing that with the client. And I get how intimidating it can be to be in an overwhelming situation and do a thought record or do a responsibility pie or something like that. So yeah, it's really great that you're able to then connect with the client in that way and, and share that experience with them as well. It just, I think it brings you much closer and you have a, a better relationship that way. I think it's like the knowing versus doing too, right? I think it's especially big in mindfulness where we teach mindfulness by doing mindfulness. And I think it's like that with most of the skills. It's exactly what you guys are saying. We're asking clients to put these skills and use them in their lives. So why wouldn't we be doing that if the chance arises? I think one thing that I've learned throughout the program is learning how to be more self-compassionate. I think just throughout any program really or anything that you're going through in life it's it's really important to step back and you know incorporate self-care but also being self-compassionate so learning how to be self-compassionate in the sense that just being kinder to yourself I know one thing that many people share is treat yourself how you would treat a friend in a moment so I know oftentimes we are our harshest critic and we can Mm -hmm. be really rough on ourselves thinking that one could have done this better or what have you but learning to be nicer to yourself and just allowing yourself some flexibility to do whatever it is that you're doing can go a long way and that's something that I've learned throughout the program not only in groups and other stuff but just as we go through it and as learners navigating what we're trying to figure out for ourselves and how we want to be as therapists. 
with all of that, I did want to say thank you so much to both Alexia and Andrea for joining us in today's episode and sharing your experiences, your learnings, and anything really that you've gotten out of our program and your journey in psychotherapy. We really do value your input and insights into everything that you've shared so far. Awesome. We wanted to remind everyone that this information is meant to be purely educational. We are not health professionals, just graduate students navigating these topics with you. And so any podcast content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. And we recommend that you always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your mental health and your well-being. And we did want to leave you with some resources. These are a few that we know of, but there are many more out there that we encourage you to explore. But a few resources we want to leave you with include Good to Talk, Kids Help Phone, Crisis Text Line, Connects Ontario, Bounce Back Ontario, which is a free skill building program managed by Canadian Mental Health Association, Hope for Wellness Chat and Helpline, and Hope for Wellness Helpline offers immediate mental health counseling and crisis intervention to all Indigenous peoples across Canada. But like I said, these are just a few resources that we know of within Canada. We encourage you to explore your own local resources for mental health, and please reach out to those if you need it. And as always, you can connect with us through our email, which is sotellmemorepodcast at gmail.com and our Instagram page at sotellmemorepodcast. You can check out our Instagram for any future updates. And it's also a great way to share any sort of feedback that you have about our podcast, any topics you're interested in us talking about, and just really any comments at all. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you're listening right now. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you learned something new or simply enjoyed our exploration of our experiences and journeys throughout psychotherapy and our program. We're really excited to continue exploring new topics in future episodes, but for now, stay safe and take care. Thank you.